tricky bitch. Yo, What's our game tricky at? Bitch. Do What's I, our game at? Uh, Is it at the G? It's at the M. Yeah, let's not. We going right there? Sound good? Is it at the G? It's at the A. No, it's at the G. Uh, yeah, let's keep it at the G, because I noticed in the last podcast, do you hear that background fuzz sound? We had the gain up too high, and the higher the gain is, the louder that noise is. And in the whole background of our last podcast, I could just hear. So, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Noted. Let me get my pop screen then, where my pop screen's supposed to go. And holy shit. Are we live? Yeah. yeah, That was my whole weird (laughs) rant about gain. I was like, I'm going to have a hilarious part where she's complaining that she hasn't pushed her headphone jack in enough and the, the first thing she hears is just going to be like, I don't think it's in far enough. And I, I, I mistimed that and then you started talking about oh, volume. Yeah, sorry. No, you're good. Mistakes were made. Mistakes were made. Sex jokes were ruined. All right. <laughs> oh, that, so oh. was... My name is Arclink. Brett Bloom and I'm sitting here with the beautiful Kristen Pennington. And this is Mistakes Were Made presented by The Nightmare Box. Did it backwards believe it was Missy Elliott who told us to pick it up, flip it, and reverse it. <laughs> but I might be wrong. Oh, That's yeah. the advice I'm, I'm walking into this show with. Mm-hmm. You know, Lots of reading has been done. My brain is fried from editing. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, you've been working all day long. Yeah, I don't even know if I know what Missy Elliott looks like, but I'm pretty sure I can attribute that quote to her. It is Missy it Elliott. It is a Missy Elliott. It is Missy Fuck Elliott. Fuck yeah! <laughs> really good at my like, late 90s, early 2000s. <laughs> So burning out easy. No. Out fast <laughs> yeah. So yeah, <sighs> we both had a pretty productive day today. You mm-hmm. have literally been editing all day long. Mm-hmm. You just finished like a couple of hours ago. Yeah. And then I went and did the shopping. Did leg day. Did the shopping. You went to the gym. Um, took a bath. Took got a bath in. No, very productive day. Like normally we get to do that type of stuff together and I prefer that but if one of us has to go to the grocery store alone it has to be you because <laughs> I go and I have a panic attack and I pace up and down aisle four going, no, okay I... don't don't flip out but <laughs> it's a nicer medium when we're both there because you're having a panic attack and rushing to get out when you're there and on the flip side I'm meandering down every yeah. aisle I was there for an hour today I asked <laughs> Brett before I left to go to the grocery store, if he wanted to do uh, Korean beef bowls for dinner, I spent an hour at the grocery store shopping, checked out, walked to my car, put the groceries in the car, and then realized I hadn't bought any of the stuff that I needed for dinner. So I had to go back in to buy the stuff for dinner. I've got us there. We're in and out in 15 minutes in a Walmart. We'll hit, we'll mm. circle the whole fucking thing, get everything we need in 15 minutes, and we never have to turn around and go back. Like, <laughs> I, I cannot be trusted yeah, by myself. Like, got a mental list of these ten things, and we're leaving here with these ten <laughs> things. Go! Like, I think I compared it to the um, what's that old? The, 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 I, for, I should have figured out the fucking name because we talked about it the other day. It was um, like the old TV show where they used to go into the grocery oh, store. Oh yeah, and yeah. You, you have like a set amount. So of you time. got forty-five seconds to fill this basket with tampons, and you're like, "Holy shit!" You know, and you gotta go like find the tampons. <laughs> I know what you're talking about, but I, I cannot for the life. Yeah, but it was a TV was. show, and it has influenced every grocery trip I've ever been on in my entire <laughs> fucking life. I don't go clothes shopping ever. 
because I just leave with a bunch of black t-shirts because I do the same thing. So I'm like, okay, black shirt, red shirt, blue shirt, green shirt. Fucking get out of here, like Dr. Seuss. Yeah. (laughs) No, it cracks me up, though, because you, like, are go, 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 and you next to never forget what you needed to get, Mm -hmm. and... I will literally just be like, ooh, this looks interesting. Oh, yeah, I got to go back and get that. (laughs) That looks interesting. And, like, I I spend a whole hour there. You'd think at some point in the hour I'd be like, what did I come here for? (laughs) People like you tend to have a list because you do, like, a lot of window shopping. Like, I'd guess that you probably spent a time meandering around a section where you knew that you didn't need anything in that section. Yeah, I did. And you meandered into it. (laughs) I meandered into the dog bed aisle knowing I wasn't going to buy a dog bed. I I just just want to, you know, remember what they look like. (laughs) (laughs) I had a list of, like, the essentials, like, paper towels, like, conditioner or whatever that I needed to get. But I didn't write down any food because I was like... Well, I'll figure it out when I get to the food section. Yeah. So then I just forgot dinner entirely. Just completely. Just, we were going to starve to death. We're just going to live a life. What's going to happen? It's like, I don't know. Fucking quick thaw the chicken out. And let's, you know, get the show on the road. Cause... No. But yeah, she was handling all that chaos. And I was finishing up the first, uh, what they call a milestone on Upwork. So like the first little group of chapters for my $37. That'll probably see about $28 of. You also and, had a surprise 25 in and there. And I did, because yeah, <laughs> apparently last time the money got sent late, and I just never went back and <laughs> checked. I, I, I don't know how to work computers. So like, that- I knew how to go on there and apply for more jobs, but I didn't realize that they weren't automatically paying me. Was that the one that you wrote the story about? So, like, you did the job, technically got paid for the job. You wrote, like, it was, like, 21-something. You were talking about your first paycheck post-college. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You wrote a story about it, but then never collected Never the collected money. it. Never collected it at all. <laughs> I went in there. I had a couple of dollars left over from one of the novella contracts that I'd taken. Because, like, you ha- you can... It, it's weird. Like, the way that you have to pull the money out. Yeah, you can't collect it until it's a certain amount, Yeah, right? sometimes you can't, yeah. And so if you put in, like, a big bulk, like, you... And then you're left with something under $10, and you can't mess with it. So somehow I wound up with $25 <laughs> sitting in my Upwork account for God knows how fucking long it's been sitting there. Just, <laughs> I thought that I'd already had it. So it's <laughs> like I made $50 for two weeks of work, which... Is only half as gut wrenching as realizing that I've made mm. like nine hundred dollars at a legit job in the time that it's taken me to make this twenty five mm. bucks. <laughs> you also had a conference call for another job today. Yeah, I did. So you... first official business conference call. That's a massive fucking step. I'm proud of you. Yeah, it was basically me talking to an old friend of mine for twenty five minutes, but you know it, he. He's goddamn hilarious. I'm not allowed to tell you his name. He's published two or three books before. and I'm very excited to work on this one, but I can't talk about it on the podcast because <laughs> uh, that, that'll get me sued. So. Well, I'm excited for mm-hmm. you. Speaking of excitement, that's kind mm. of relevant to one of the topics we wanted to talk about today. Um, we live in an apartment complex, and there's this neighborhood kid that, like... Yeah. Just bought himself a super nice car. It's his first car, <laughs> and he worked his dick off for it. Like, apparently, this guy, I mean, he's always out there driving away in his mom's car. Apparently, he got, a, you know, a job, and he's just been doing everything he can to make money and save money. And from what I've heard from his parents, who I've talked to more times this week than I think I've talked to since they moved in, <laughs> um, 
like he, he just he, he never shut up about it so the other day this uh what is it a 350z i think so yeah yeah this 350z pulls in i'm like damn nice car you know like as a teenager i really wanted one of those i, I drive a jeep now so my <laughs> personality has changed but i still have a, a small part of my heart for the 350z <laughs> and it pulls in and it's clean as shit i was like damn dude and then this fucking kid gets out of the driver's <laughs> seat and i was like hey dude a new car and he's like yeah and he just stops you were sitting out there mm-hmm. with me and uh, he just stops and he's so fucking excited about this car. Like he starts telling us everything. He goes, yeah, I've been working toward it and I finally fucking got it. And he just, and then like I, all week I've been watching him and like he pulls out, it's a fast car. Like it's a, it's a very quick car and it's pretty loud, but he pulls out at like a five mile per hour idle. <laughs> like he's like, I'm not even going to hit a fly. I'm not screwing up my paint job. Okay. <laughs> And then he's like slowly pulling out onto the main highway. Like he's going to run the risk of getting rear-ended because he's too careful. <laughs> As opposed to me, I had a, um, my first car was a 96 Mustang GT. And the second that I got off, like I would pull off the driveway nice and slow because we lived on like a little bit of a slope and I didn't want to ding my back bumper. The second I was on level ground, I was like ripping the clutch out that goddamn car. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, your mom used to race you, though, so that, <laughs> you came by that honestly. Mom, mom used to piss me off, and it still comes up sometimes, but she used to um, used to piss me off because I was a teenager, and, you know, I'm me, so, like, I was hormonally unstable then. This is me not hormonally unstable. I'm much better off now. But uh, we'd get in these big, like, knockdown, drag-out, blow-down fucking arguments. It would be absolutely insane. And then I'd, like peel off the parking lot just leave black strips of white smoke and then she'd be like oh god <laughs> I was a dickhead of a teenager <laughs> but this kid he just he's so gentle with it you know like he's like I'm gonna pull out of here he's, he's so super responsible and his mom stopped and talked with us and you know she was just blown away that he was able to do it and just you know, overcome with pride, and the stepdad uh, was just like, "Yeah, I'm happy because now he can shut up about it." <laughs> <laughs> but no, there was that, um, and then there was uh, last week. Uh, Narcotics Anonymous came by, and they dropped off the, this flyer that had all these phone numbers that were at the bottom mm-hmm. of the flyer. And I've been watching that flyer all week because I work in a pawn shop. And I uh, deal a lot with meth addicts and, and, and various, you know, people like that. Um, and the numbers, had, they had stayed the same. Nobody had taken one of these numbers. And then we came in on Saturday morning and I realized that one of the numbers was gone. And so it was like a happy little moment for me. Yeah. You know, like it's one number going off this NA call sheet. Somebody reached out. Yeah, but it's one addict of one way or the other. It's next to a bar, so it might have been, you know an alcoholic it could have been a heroin addict it could maybe have been it's a, a family member of someone. maybe it's a family member who's just trying to you know find one more place to go but that number's missing and that could potentially save somebody's fucking life which is awesome which is fucking fantastic so if you're out there as i'm drinking and you're <laughs> <laughs> listening to this um <laughs> <laughs> If you're out there and you're dealing with something heavy, um, or if you're a drunk, I guess, um, 
Yeah, reach out, get the help that you need. Like it's important if you're uncomfortable with your lifestyle and your family is warning you that look like shit's getting out of control, you need to go find that help, you know, especially if it's hard drugs because that shit can kill you in a bad batch. Alcohol yeah. takes a while, but uh, that heroin, you, you fuck up one time and it's game over. So mm. especially living in Tennessee, we've seen it firsthand. You work in a fucking hospital. I do. <laughs> um, get the help you need and do the best to help those around you that uh, may be going through something like that. And uh, off to happier topics. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers to recovery. That's... <laughs> well, um, like before we move on, like we had like a conversation after... Because, yeah, we were both sitting outside when that car pulled yeah. up. We had, like, a conversation outside oh, where sorry, we were... I had to immediately tank that down. No, you're know. fine. <laughs> I just don't want to completely gloss over it. Um, we were sitting outside for, like, a good while after that, and we had, like, a conversation about kind of reflecting on milestones in our own lives. And, yeah. like, when you're a kid and you get your first car, how exciting that is. Or when you get your first place, you know, to yourself. What was your first car? Uh, I don't remember the year, but it was a Mitsubishi Eclipse. Um I, I also wanted one of those really bad. <laughs> I really, that was, until I bought the car that I have now, that was hands down my favorite car mm. that I ever had. It was a really nice car. Like, it was taken good care of as far as it ran, but oh my God, whoever had owned it had just left it sitting in the sun. It was like this hunter green color, and it had these big, ugly sunspots <laughs> all over the paint job, so it looked so janky, but I loved that car. Um, but yeah, that was my first car. But like... We were talking about that, you know, um, when you get in the routine of stuff, like, you know, you writing or me doing films or doing the podcast, or we have this really nice apartment and like, like you kind of forget like the sense of pride that you had initially and things and like how important it is to like kind of stop and reflect on that stuff. Like instead of being like, Oh, I got all these fucking bills to pay. It's like, look at all this, like, look at all these bills I'm paying. Yeah, like successfully, all these things that we've like accomplished. Your bookshelves are so full of books; they're running into boxes that are just scattered all over the place. So, like, it's nice sometimes to like kind of take a moment and like reflect and. We graduated college. We did. And immediately started a podcast. (laughs) Took absolutely no time to be like maybe a maybe a vacation to Cancun after (laughs) years and years of just Uh, bashing our goddamn brains in. Maybe, uh, you know, go to Denver, Colorado, and for the first time in my life, smoke marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, um, no, you do, you, you, you fall into those routines. Because, right, I was excited about that first car, much in the way that this kid is excited about his first car. I'm calling him a kid. I don't know if he's 19, but he, I know he's not of legal drinking age. Um, yeah. I don't know if he's 17, 19, but he's somewhere in there. Um, <clears throat> but you fall into these routines where my first year with my Wrangler, I was so blown away by the concept of a convertible vehicle and <laughs> the summer is still my favorite fucking thing in the world. Yeah. But I don't remember a point so far this summer where I've been driving down the road and because I don't have the top on, I can take a moment to just breathe and sit and like kind of just enjoy that. You know, I, I did it when I first bought it mm-hmm. and then it's, 
it's not soured, but I don't know if it's a change in myself or a it's not new anymore. I've grown used to yeah. it. But that is a thing that we need to start combating, I think. Which is kind of ironic. We have a lot to be proud of. Yeah. Which is kind of ironic specifically involving your Jeep because... I bought that in cash and fucking kept it alive. (laughs) Well, no, I was going to say, I think this summer is the first summer that you and I have, like, you know, we moved in together during the wintertime. It was the first summer that, like, you and I have, like, gone for rides in your Jeep together, so I'm still in that phase. Like, you'll take the top off, and I'll just be like, I'm flying. (laughs) You feel like Rose (laughs) in Titanic. You know, arms outstretched. (laughs) Glorious, glorious sun. Until the drive back from Walmart, where then you're like, you feel like the fly, where you're like, help me. Because the fucking, you're you're transparent in the sun. I have a a terrible farmer's tan going on right now. You look like that monster from The Hills Have Eyes when he, like, walks out into the radiation and shit just starts... <laughs> yeah, it's fun until high noon when the sun is high melting noon. my flesh what off. <laughs> We're gonna duel later. <laughs> it's fun till high noon. <laughs> Not good with emotions. Continue. No. no, I was just saying it's ironic that like you haven't had like those moments of reflection. Yeah, because yeah. you've had like a year to like. Or two, how long have you had it? Two years now? That's good. I had it last summer. Yeah. But I think I bought it. I might I might, I might have had it for two years. Well, you've had it for a while either way. Yeah, so my like... registration's been out for a year. So there's that. no. People are like, why are you allowed to get away with that? I was like, I don't know. I got lucky. I never drive above 35 miles an hour. <laughs> that has to help. There's got to be a cop driving behind me like that poor bastard is driving around. He's 28 and his car's 26. <laughs> what the fuck am I going to do to this kid? <laughs> it's a fun car, though. I enjoy it. I always have my the most god-awful windblown hair anytime we go anywhere, <laughs> but it's fun. I'm bald. I don't have problem. But yeah, no, it's, it, it's small things, you know, like that, that kind of give you a pause and now I feel more appreciative of the vehicle um, I'm more appreciative of what we've accomplished because I saw the NA number gone you know there's a person out there whose life is total fucking chaos I feel like sometimes our life is total fucking chaos but we're not homeless on heroin no like, we have a Huge apartment. Got a very nice apartment. <laughs> got the dog. We got the cats. You know, have we have really mi- nice meals every night. Yeah, we have a lot of stressors, you know, and we're constantly jumping the same old hurdle. Like every month, it's going to be the same problems. We need rent money, so we're going to be stressed about money. We need, you know, uh, food on top of paying the bills. And there's like this uncomfortable two week period, and then we get through it and we're fine. Mm-hmm. And we don't hardly ever sit in the apartment and just go, holy mother of shit. You know, <laughs> like, like, look at us. Like, like, if, I don't know. I'm proud of us. I'm proud of us. And you guys should all be proud of yourselves because there's things that you guys are doing that I can't wrap my fucking brain around. Like, I, I, I have a an interest in life because I more or less sign myself up to write until I die and accept next to nothing 
but that. So that's either going to work or not work, and it's all being broadcast live in the apartment. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's some of you out there that are, I guess, you know, like I can't imagine like the world of a single mother who works two jobs and pays the daycare and is still there sitting to feed the child, read to the kid, watch TV with them, you know, whatever it is. Like, there's struggles that I'll never be... Like, I know that I'm not strong enough to do that because I haven't had to do it. You know, like, if you threw me in that situation, I'd flip out. I'd, I'd fucking... I'd go, what the shit? I haven't, you know, built my way up there, you know. And there's people that look at, you know, what we do. And they're like, well, there's no fucking way I have the patience to spend five hours sitting behind a fucking computer editing dog shit like there's a <laughs> stare at the screen get this done and at the end of that $25 <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> waste your whole Sunday that's how they would look uh-huh. at it you know people that they look at what you do and actors get frustrated with your job you know take 15 you know like do it again do it again. Not good enough. Do it again. You know, <laughs> we've got to move this camera three inches to the left. Do it again. You know, they. they it, it's a different kind. Everybody's got their own thing. You can look at them and just be like, "Holy shit!" You know, but everybody's got that first car. You know, almost everybody. The, the, those of us that were lucky enough to have a first car. Weird moment of pride. If you had a first car or in your first car, you should be proud of yourself. <laughs> that is ironic though that you would bring up a little up bit too ironic <laughs> uh, actors being frustrated because there was actually one scene in particular which I'm not gonna bother to name or like point out anyone specific but like whenever we were uh, filming the dolls there was one scene that should have been a very easy scene that I think we got up to which you know, on a bigger budget film, that's probably still a pretty low number, but we got up to like damn near take 20. And I remember being so fucking frustrated in the moment. I think I know what scene you're talking about. Yeah, and Can I, I tap this and then you tell me and sure. we, okay. But yeah, like I, in, yeah, reflecting I on... Not, now that I know what it is that you're talking <laughs> about, I can, I, I was sitting there, I think I smoked like five cigarettes watching you try to make this work and it, yeah. But, but I mean, like bringing up, you know, taking moments to reflect and kind of like view the positive, like I have never uh, in my life, like I, I generally am a relatively patient person mm-hmm. I don't lose my temper and I didn't outwardly lose my temper but I felt like I was being kind of snippy towards the end because yeah. I was just like holy fuck get it together this is so easy <laughs> like, <laughs> so like I it, it is important I think in those moments where you're feeling frustrated whether it's with your work or like shit going on in your life or whatever again take a moment and reflect like that was like a really overall positive experience we were making what turned out to be a really cool yeah. little film together I and... think I would be a goddamn terrorist of a director <laughs> Like if, <laughs> yelling at people, what the fuck yeah, is your problem? I, I would just be Kubrick. It's like that was like, <laughs> it's just not good enough. Screaming at that lady in The Shining, just like <laughs> you don't matter. Nothing you've ever done matters. <laughs> just make her cry and then send her out on the show. Mm. Just be like, there you go, and then never, <laughs> never apologize. I'd just be a dick. <laughs> it's like I need you to be in the movement, and if that means you have to hate me, then you have to hate me. But you're gonna do what you're fucking told to do. 
I'd punch actors. <laughs> Maybe you should not they're direct. Like, yeah, because they're all sitting there like, I do an important job. And it's like, you are playing make-believe. You don't matter. <laughs> I don't want to totally discredit actors. Like, actors who are oh, genuinely... probably shouldn't because we're writers and directors. And... Like, actors who are genuinely good at their job and care about their craft, like, will make or break a film. Like, no, and some of them are fucking brilliant because they treat it like it's art, mm-hmm. you know? But you, you have so many actors that I've run into. It's... Similar. As opposed to the more creative side, because the creative side requires a uh, fucking work. You know, like early level acting, you can just walk into it and you people are like, stare out that window. Look, you know, this is an erectile dysfunction commercial. You know, like, sit out that window, look sad. And people will be like, oh, look sad. They're not fucking Robert De Niro. <laughs> you know, like... I'm talking, we've worked with some high-level fucking actors who take it very seriously. Mm -hmm. But where we are right now, most of the people that we've dealt with, it's like, Jesus Christ, you could be anybody. Find three people in a Walmart to do your job. (laughs) I think, to me, it's very similar to the attitude towards writing. Like, a lot of people have this, um, for whatever, like, delusion that... You can just sit down and like crank out like a best-selling novel without having. I've heard that a lot. Yeah, yeah, without having like practiced your writing, practiced the tools that go behind writing or whatever. And like, I feel like even, you know, like with the films that we're making, yeah, they're low-budget mm-hmm. short films. I'm not expecting, you know, to have some A-list some actor, great. but I expect someone who appreciates their craft and practices their craft and studies and like. It's all we've asked for. <laughs> You know, even if you don't have very many credits, like if I give you a character and I say this is who this character is, this is what this character cares about, these are the people in this character's life, like you damn well better know your character. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) again, not calling anybody out by name and not naming a project, but we did a project once where there was a very famous song that these two were required to pretend to play the guitar and tap toes to. Didn't even listen to the didn't song. Didn't even have to sing the song. Didn't have to mouth the words. Well, they didn't mouth the words. They did mouth the words, but they they didn't have to sing the song, you know. Um, and it was the chorus of a very famous song. Like, this is not a, I'm, I'm asking you to spend three hours on the dark web looking this shit up. This is on the radio at least once every hour. I'm just asking you to listen to it before you show up. And literally never even bothered yeah, to listen to like, it. Yeah, this is the first time I've heard it. And it's not a small artist. Yeah. It's a massive artist. Yeah. It's <laughs> frustrating. Like, I... I there's a level of craft that goes behind acting, too. And if you don't take that seriously, don't do it. No, you have to f- be able to... And, like, to do it well, I think you have to be a fucking sociopath. <laughs> but um, there's a, a level of losing your personality and becoming this other thing. And if you're not interested in at least trying to do that, then you can get the fuck away from it. Yeah. Like, I, I need you to be a magician of personality like i want to forget what it's like to meet you the first time because after that you walked in as kyle or whoever you walked in as and now you're kyle and i have a hard time calling you by your first name with the only person or the only people that i have a problem doing that with are the little girls from the dolls yeah because they did such a great job i was like oh no those are 
struggle to remember what their real names are because I'm like, yeah, no, like, that's that was... Alice. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, no, that's not Alice. <laughs> it's a little girl with her own name in life. You know? <laughs> and if you're getting your ass kicked by a six-year-old in the acting world, you need to get your shit together, son. Because that girl was fucking booking rolls. <laughs> but like, while we're on that topic, um, because, yeah, that is, I feel like, a very common misconception. People seem to think all you have to do is sit down and write. And that makes you a writer, which Imagine practice. how frustrating it must be to be a comedian. Like, like if you wanted to do stand-up, like, literally all of your competition is because somebody heard you tell a joke in a bar one night when they were hammered, laughed harder than they ever went, and said, you have to be a comedian. And the guy was like, you're right, I can do this. <laughs> I'm a comedian. Absolutely not study the craft of it. Yeah. But that has to be frustrating because that's mm-hmm. immediate, you know? Like, you have to, at least with writing, you know, sit down and try to type it out. If you get 300 words in and go, oh, this is so much fucking harder than I thought it was going to be, at least you're not standing in front of 30 people in a crowded bar. (laughs) (laughs) Surrounded by other people who are trying to use it. It would be like if there was one computer... And I was like, I want to be a writer. And then, like, there were a whole bunch of other people, and I had to get off the computer and wait on them to be done being a writer. (laughs) You had your turn. It's my turn. It's like, look, dude, I've got this idea. (laughs) It has to be frustrating. Oh, yeah, I bet. Because it is frustrating. Because you wind up with people who are like, no, I could be a filmmaker, or I could be a writer. And it's like, you have no fucking idea. I've never gone to... um... Like, we've gone and seen, like, actual established comedians live, like, when they've booked shows in the area, but I've never gone to just, like, a comedy club and sat down and watched, like, the locals, yeah. like, go like perform. Yeah, we went and saw Bill Burr. Mm-hmm. And we saw that one your mom bought tickets to. Uh, I don't remember who the comedian was, but I remember she opened with, so you like Joe Rogan, and you thought she had bought you Joe Rogan tickets? And she was, no, I bought the Bill Burr tickets. That was your Valentine's present. Uh, Louis Black. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she opened with like, so you like Joe Rogan? You're like, oh my God. She's like, I bought you these tickets. <laughs> I was like, mom, a completely different comedian. Yeah, I thought mom had bought us Rogan tickets. I was going to shit my pants. Because Joe Rogan Live, like the old, old Joe Rogan, is mm. my favorite goddamn special of all time. I, not of all time. I, I, I have an... My all-time list fluctuates in conversation, <laughs> but I've probably watched the uh, Joe Rogan Live. That's the title of it. It was from like 2003. I probably watched that 50 times. I could probably do that routine. Uh, his podcast is great. That's why people do these things. But um, that that special in particular. So like, mom's like, I heard you like Joe Rogan. Dot dot dot. But I was like. You gotta be fucking joking me, and she was. She was joking. No, the funny thing I about that. I got to go that, see Lewis Black out of his prime. <laughs> no, the funny thing about that though is like I was originally going to buy Joe Rogan tickets. Yeah, no, no, I told you this story. No, I told you this story because Joe Rogan, because they were supposed to be a Valentine's present, and Bill Burr wasn't coming until months after mm. Valentine's. So you got your Valentine's present. Like we saw Bill Burr, and I was so fucking <laughs> excited about that goddamn show. I almost pissed myself. <laughs> no, that was an amazing show. It was I'm really Bill glad Burr we went. And uh, but... Paul Verzi and the dude from Impractical Jokers, Sam. Sam from Practical Jokers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but... no I'm and... glad. Del Rey, Dean Del Rey, 
you remember way more about that than I did. I just remembered Bill Burr. But I'm glad we went to see Bill Burr. I'm not mad about that at all. But I was originally going to buy Joe Rogan tickets because the show was yeah. closer to Valentine's. And I guess everybody, like, feels that way, that it's the best show ever. Because, <laughs> like, I got online to buy the tickets within a minute of them going live. Oh, they go quick as fuck. It was like $300 for a seat in the back of the room per ticket. It was yeah. like, nope, not going to that one. No, it's big league. Like, <laughs> Those scalpers are, like, clicking away I've like never, crazy. I've never seen Rogan, and I've never seen Eminem or Marilyn Manson, and it's for the same exact reason. The second those shits fucking hit the floor, it's why I, I, I didn't think I'd ever get to see Bill Burr, because I was like, I died. I, I, and the funny thing is, I was pretty much there waiting to buy them the second they went live, too, and we still ended up halfway back, and I was sitting, sitting behind, behind a pole. I <laughs> was sitting behind a pole. Was sitting in the Ryman. <laughs> <laughs> Because like, I got the pole seat. And I, I was let like, you have was the like, better seat. I was like, no, sweetheart, you need to watch the show. And you were like, you've been listening to this guy since you were 13 years old. There's no way in fucking hell I'm not going to let you see him. <laughs> so like the whole show, you just like leaned over looking around this pole, basically sitting in some stranger's lap. No, I was leaning towards you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a really good show, though. I'm glad we went to that. Oh, so fucking funny. <laughs> you literally didn't even get up to go buy a beer because you were like, I can't miss one second. No, I, I, I think I bought two beers going in and drank those because we sat there for hours yeah. waiting for the thing. Yeah. And then it was like right as I was ready to get up and buy more beer, I was like, I, I, I can't do this. Like, I, <laughs> I can't leave. Like, it's Bill Burr. It's Bill motherfucking Burr. <laughs> But anyway, we digress. Yeah, we totally digress from I, what I was trying to talk about. <laughs> can, I, can I clear some things up? I didn't find Joe Rogan when he opened up his fucking podcast situation. Uh, my dad got me really, really, really into stand-up comedy with like some old school people that like most people have never fucking heard of. <laughs> and uh, like I was a kid when that started happening. So like me and my dad bonded a lot through stand-up, our love of George Carlin, but in particular Richard Pryor. <laughs> and it never left me. I think it, at a point, dad gave up on stand-up comedy and I was still like, dad, it's like our baseball. Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> like I would buy him Bill Burr CDs and like stuff them in his truck door and be like, hey, go have fun. You know, like show them all these innocuous things. And now I still do the same thing with you, except <laughs> now like fucking 15 of the comedians that I love to listen to who don't have specials, you know, <laughs> like now they've got podcasts. And it's just like, awesome. <laughs> but anyway, you've been reading this book. Well, no, I was going to, before oh, we sorry. get on the book, because kind of um, all over the world. <laughs> yeah, we digressed into com or comedians and that totally got off the rails a bit. But no, I was going to say, um, earlier while we were talking about people that um, like have this misconception that you can literally just sit down and start writing and that makes you a writer which granted practice yeah. is important like it's important to yeah. try and put in the effort mm -hmm. and all that but like there's a lot of like study and work outside of just today I'm writing my novel so yeah. we talked about um, like me doing show Bibles and stuff on a previous episode. So what do you do when you're like prepping like a novel or whatever that you're working on? Well, like there's lots of different ways to go about it. I can't remember the terms that people use on the internet right now. So forgive me, but I'm not a part of your Rano, Naimo or horse shit. I do this every day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
that'll no, we gotta save that one for November. My my hatred for the Nano Rhino. <laughs> um, <laughs> how do you start a story? Which I mean, everybody's process is different, but well, what like, you do? For me, like it has to come out of something very concrete, something very very concrete, like the chessboard story that I'm working on. That still has not left me. I've had that for months. I've not sat down and actually written anything. I carry around the uh, satchel that you got me that's got my portfolio in it, and I I, I write in that. So I probably got, uh, I don't know, 5,000 words worth of fucking random snippets of just trying to learn the character. So I'll have one scene that is super concrete. Greg walks across the street and sees a green Corvette, you know, for example. And if I can't stop thinking about Greg and that green Corvette, then something is going to come out of that. And I'll be like, what else was there, you know? And then pick up little details immediately in that scene. Yeah. And then I decide if it's a short story or a novella or a novel um, where I need to put my attention. Am I telling the story of Greg contemplating walking across the street to the liquor store? This is on the fly. None of this is written down. <laughs> Okay, so I have Greg, right? Mm-hmm. And I see Greg go walking across the street in real life, and Greg does not get hit, but the next car that passes is a big green Corvette. And I sit there and I think about five seconds off, Greg would have got hit by that Corvette, right? Yeah. So I would sit here, and I would turn that into a short story by saying, what was Greg's immediate thought before he crossed the road? So Greg, in this situation, because we were just talking about N.A., is uh, living where we live right now, where there is a discount beer and tobacco place, Mm -hmm. you know, half a block down the street. And he lives kind of in a situation like that, where he is a struggling alcoholic who lives across the place from discount beer, where he can go buy Cobras at (laughs) $2.09. And I would create an inner dialogue for Greg, or I would do a flashback for Greg to the reason why he stopped drinking in the first place and why it is now irrelevant. In this moment of, um, holy shit, I'm breaking my sobriety, why he needs to cross the street. So I would make that a whole struggle. And then as he crossed the road in this moment of self-defiance, I would have him get run over by a green corpse. Oh, no. <laughs> Like, if he made a promise to God, like, Twilight Zone, that shit. I swore to God that if I could keep my wife, I'd never drink again. And then his wife left him that morning, and now he's getting run over walking across the street to buy another beer. Oh, Greg. Mistakes were made. (laughs) Longer projects. Greg (laughs) becomes a a notepad or a journal. Uh, How I'm working on the thing right now, because I've got four or five really big ideas that I feel all tie into each other but I don't know how they connect I know how the story starts like first scene I know how to walk into it and I have a vague idea of how I want it to end and the middle is complete emptiness and any given day if I'm feeling like the inspiration to do it um I could sit down and start and I feel like I could start it and I'd be good to go but I I, having a lot of issues with like I don't have a a middle at all you know well I think you kind of 
Uh, it finds you. Yeah, I was going to say, you speaking of the, the book I've been reading, yeah, they talk about that. Like, you have, like, your start point. You get to know your characters. You kind of know where you're going to end, and the world builds up around, like, all yeah. of the... It gets a so. lot clearer, like, if it makes sense, when you hang out with those characters, you know, a little mm-hmm. longer. That could be anything. The guy on our uh, calendar, you know. It's like looking down like he's going to light a cigarette. Oh, we haven't flipped it. It's not me anymore. Oh, well, flip it. Let's oh. see what we got. Do you need a refill while I'm up? Yeah. Um, dun, dun, dun. No, it finds you in weird ways, and depending on the story, it'll take you in weird directions. Oh, like you know. oh we got a flower. It's a painter, too. It's a painted flower. Oh, it's a painter painting a painted flower. <laughs> That's cool. It's a painting of a painter painting a painted flower by... Uh, God damn it, the graffiti artist. Um, uh, Banksy. Banksy. Yeah. <laughs> Dead air. Uh, no, there's, yeah, but there's no like real clear cut, quick answer because I think each story deserves its own level of attention. To say, like, I'm setting out to do this way of XYZ, you know, I'm going to figure it out. And this is my foolproof plan for writing stories is a little absurd because when you think about it, right, like the story is not a part of your control. Like I'm not sitting around and coming up with a story because I am the one coming up with the story. I'm just the one who got lucky enough to have that story drop into my brain. (laughs) How do you, uh, you get a story like Mm -hmm. the one that we're working on currently for our first short film you get a story what do you do first well do you try to visualize the characters do you try to visualize the setting how do you go about it we talked about this a little bit on a previous episode when we were talking about like the show bibles and stuff but for me because i'm not a writer like it's not my original concept so whenever we were doing i'll forever be going back to the dolls until we do our next film um (laughs) When we were doing The Dolls, it was, like, December, I think, the first time we kind of, like, just to each other, like, talked about possibly filming it. And there was a good month of just back and forth between the two of us where, like, to me, since it's not my original work and these aren't my characters and I haven't had time to sit in this world and kind of get to know this world, there was, like, a lot of important dialogue back and forth of, like what are these characters' motivations, what's going on in their life, like, trying to, like, immerse myself in that world so I could know them on a more intimate level. And then he gave me a copy of the script, and that'll probably be the first thing, like, I normally do with most of my projects. I'll go through and, like, just read the script for the initial pass-through, and then, like... Do you treat that like an edit? Like, you're looking at it going, there's something missing here, can you expand? Not on the first read-through, like, and I do that with films, too, so it's been a little interesting doing the Two Star Tuesdays, because we go into the film, like, Like trying... Like, working on it in process. We pause it, and we try to come up with endings, and, you know... Yeah, so that's been a a bit of a process for me, like, getting used to that concept of we're immediately watching this thing and looking at it analytically. Um, With the scripts, I usually read it the first time strictly from... Um, like a consumer's point of view like do I find this compelling like just period the way it is and then I'll go back there and read it again and start making notes of like things that stood out to me and like 
if there's like something that I think is important, I'll put like a note, like it should be shot this way to emphasize, you know, that it's important. So I'll go through and kind of like pass through and make like notes of things that stand out to me and then go back and read it again. And like until I've filled up the pages yeah. and like on the back of the page, I'll write like themes that I think are important or whatever. And then eventually. Themes, like what, like what do you mean themes? Um, like whenever we were doing Ziggy, um, we discussed like isolation being like a major theme. Like all of these characters were struggling with um, being isolated. Yeah, they yeah. they all had like elements going on in their life that kind of like put them aside. And gender and addiction. And, yeah, yeah, and um, disability like kind of set them mm-hmm. aside as like characters that didn't quite fit in with. Um, standard society so so um, those kind of things yeah like that's interesting because as a writer you're taught plot is secondary Mm -hmm. um if you're focused on plot you're focused on the wrong thing you should be focused on character and the character's going to make the decision for you so it's strange or not strange interesting that as a filmmaker you look at it and you're like first thing i'm looking for plot and theme <laughs> I don't know that um, I mean, I don't, or identifying at yeah. least plot and theme I don't know that there's necessarily a specific order that I look for those things in but like they're, they're things that I, I try to pay attention to yeah. because like with color theory um, you know depending on the mood that I'm trying to set for the scenes like the theme that we're going for will change mm-hmm. literally the way that it's shot like the color that I want it to look like and um, which you can edit color in post you don't necessarily have to do that when you're uh, filming it but yeah like I don't know like I, I make a lot of notes on the back of my scripts of like things like that that I think are important that I want to try to remember and then we go on into making the show viable after but we've talked about that already hmm. But yeah, it's a, more of a, since it's not my work, like trying to get to know the work, like on a more no, intimate I don't think level. No, I don't think it's a bad thing. I just think it's it's interesting, the difference in it, you know. Because like we're taught, you know, it's all about character. It's character driven. Because if nobody gives a shit about Bob, nobody's going to give a shit about Bob's day. <laughs> I feel and like... as a filmmaker, you have to almost uh, not deconstruct. But uh, what do you call it? Backwards. Um, deconstruct probably would be a decons- good term for it. <laughs> deconstruct almost sounds negative, but um, like you look at it backwards, where you're like, okay, well, we're starting at the ending, the final result. Now we have to tear it down to its basic elements, you know, <laughs> like as opposed to I started off with its basic elements and I had to build it up into yeah. the final result. And then you build from there in a different kind of way where you're like, well, this are angles and this is color that needs to go into it. This is emphasis. This is what the set looks like. The difference of having a Dorito bag versus not having a Dorito (laughs) bag. How that balances the room. Like you have to look at very specific things that I can not to say not put any effort into, but I can gloss over a lot of what your focus is as a writer because it's driven by the character instead of driven by the audience I think there's a give and take there like if you gave me a script that had 
like weak character development or like characters that kind of like got neglected like i would probably give feedback like yeah. hey like hey we, why did suzanne get in the car yeah like yeah. we need to adjust this stuff but I, I think there's like that give and take like i trust that you're coming in with a script that's like for the most part ready to go and if i have notes you know i'll give you my notes but it's not i don't i don't that sounds negative to say it that way but i guess it's not necessarily technically my responsibility to yeah. develop the characters my responsibility is to get to know the characters that are existing characters and like how i can best represent them it's a very interesting juxtaposition mm-hmm. and it's our entire relationship <laughs> So for you guys that are sitting around and like you, you think like this is a thing you would dive into, this is what we deal with on the day-to-day. <laughs> is we, we look at the same project in entirely two different ways, and it's why I fell in love with you in the first fucking yeah. place. Emotions. <laughs> I love you. I love you. Um, that, off my emotions. <laughs> that uh, bleeds into the book I've been reading, though, interestingly. Um, I'll bleed onto that book that you've been reading. <laughs> You've bled on to scripts before, I believe I've you. I've done that. <laughs> um, In context, it was because I suffered a hand wound. <laughs> yeah. Because I tried yeah. to do pull-ups. Because I, I made you uh, jump to, on a tree branch one too many times. For the film that we're going to have out oh, eventually. eventually. <laughs> 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 Gotta finish it. But, um... Brett went home to England this past Christmas, and over mm-hmm. the holidays, he bought me a book from the oldest bookstore in England. Do you, you remember the name of the oldest bookstore? I because do. Because I went there, and I was so blown away to be in the oldest bookstore in London that I had forgotten to look at the sign. <laughs> I have the bag saved from it, so yeah. I have the bag somewhere, but I don't offhand remember what the store was called. But um, he brought me back this book... Um, called On Filmmaking, An Introduction to the Craft of the Director by Alexander McKendrick. Apparently um, he's a big deal, so we should <laughs> probably watch one of his movies. Yeah, um, Martin Scorsese wrote the foreword to this book, yeah. interestingly. So he's a, he's a hotshot fucking British well, professor, but... He apparently put out a couple of films, and I can't for the life of me remember um, what they were, like early in his career like when mm-hmm. hollywood hadn't quite changed to what it is now yeah, well, from what what i was able to glim from the like flipping through it there's a lot of focus on citizen kane like later on in the book. i was like yeah i haven't gotten yeah. that far he hasn't brought up citizen kane yet i haven't um, read it either i don't know what <laughs> but um I guess he decided, after he put out a couple of films that did pretty well, um, he didn't really like the direction Hollywood was going, and he didn't like, I guess, like kind of being a slave to the production company, so he... Hashtag me neither. <laughs> Synchronicity. He, <laughs> he quit. Um, you your $25 an hour. <laughs> he quit making films and then spent the rest of his life as a professor, and I, from hmm. what I've read, highly regarded... Um, but he's a bit snarky in text. Do you remember what school he works at? Is it like one of the, one of the big? It's like ones? Macau Arts or something like that. I can't remember. He talks about it a bunch. I should yeah, know. Well, I mean, like you don't remember offhand. I just didn't know if he was like an Oxford professor. It's an art school. Um, I want to say it was like called Macau or something like that. Um, Cal Arts. Cal Arts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah, he's a bit snarky to read, though. <laughs> you you got to have a little patience with him because he has been a professor his entire life, and he's probably over all of our shit. <laughs> but um, he's like, I've been watching films since the fifties. They haven't been good <laughs> since you guys he, got color. Uh, he probably has at least a master's or a PhD. He's like, <laughs> like, you know when the real skill was back when you needed a typewriter and a black and white camera. That's where the real <laughs> talent was. He, he makes fun <laughs> of. Um, modern cinema and modern artists a lot though he's like those modernists <laughs> he's, a, he's a bit of a snarky read well he's but, english um... <laughs> you just got done hanging out with mom <laughs> we're true. kind of a snarky people we're, we're a little bit of bastards <laughs> individually arrogant ignorant and fucking over <laughs> <laughs> But I've been, which I think we talked about that in a previous podcast too, like creative slumps and stuff. I've been... Not a slump. We didn't take our trip to Costa Rica. No, we didn't take time off. We pretty much immediately started doing the podcast, but I've been creatively in a bit of a funk when it comes to specifically films. It's Um, exhaustion. It's burnout. Yeah, and that was a huge part of it. Like, school was so intense and so demanding that I, I just... I think I have Asperger's, so I, I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was a little burned out. Like, I have countless um, books on the craft of filmmaking that I haven't finished reading, and I literally haven't picked up since uh, I graduated. And I uh, had, like, a full day where I literally couldn't do anything <laughs> the other day. So I picked this book back up just to have something to do and started reading it. And then like kind of had this like, holy fuck moment. Like, why have I stopped reading? Cause, um, it's so much fucking fun, right? Well, too, it's just, like you like, came back last night and I was so excited that I made hamburgers <laughs> and then didn't give a shit about the hamburgers. <laughs> I wanted to hear about all of the crazy shit you'd read in this book. Like, you had so many things highlighted, and I was like, there's conversations that we can have. <laughs> well, because I've been reading the Hunter Thompson thing, and now mm-hmm. you've been reading this, and it was like, I feel like we're both excited about it again. <laughs> yeah, it was... At least I'm easily excited. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of like this renewed sense of energy, because it was like... Yeah, I don't necessarily agree with, like, all of his points, but, like, seeing that, like, other perspective and yeah. kind of like, oh, man, I've never thought of that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's brilliant. And um, you and I both um, in school, like, while we were still in college, learned the concept of show, don't tell, because that's a very common concept in yeah. art in general. It's that thing that people get sick of you for saying, but it's literally, if you want to write or make film weirdly <laughs> show don't tell but we we've in passing or not in passing necessarily but like we've had quite a few conversations about today doing the edits mm-hmm. and um, i keep coming across this word questioningly and i'm like <laughs> how do you do literally anything questioningly how do you walk questioningly how do you stare at somebody <laughs> questioningly i think the word you're looking for is suspiciously cut out a goddamn part of that word <laughs> You don't need it. Too many syllables. Mm-hmm. Questioningly. <laughs> I-N-G-L-Y. If you have any I-N-G-L-Ys, go kill yourself. Fucking <laughs> stab your mother to death for your I-N-G-L-Y. Because it's her fault that you're here. Aww. 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 We've talked about this a bunch in the past. Why doesn't Brett teach class? <laughs> this is why. 
We've talked about this a bunch in the past, like the concept of like show your readers what's happening or show your audience what's happening and don't tell them. And it's never really like been a thing I've put too much thought into because I'm like, oh, that's a simple concept. Like yeah. show, don't tell. Like, and everybody's both... guilty of it at one point oh, or another because sure. it's a huge learning curve. Yeah. For sure. But I've never like thought about the fact that that's actually kind of a very different concept for me versus what it is for you. But it's oddly relatable. Yeah, no. We're it's... trying to do the same thing. I just have to add three paragraphs where you can add a Derivo back. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, in the book that I've been reading, they do an example of, like, and it's from an actual film. I can't for the life of me remember what the film is, but they do an example where, like, the character's like, hey, look, there are cows or something along those lines, and then it cuts to a shot of these cows in the field, and it's like, why did you have that dialogue yeah. like what was pat your dude excited on the shoulder cut to cows same yeah. scene yeah like you don't dude <laughs> like you got so much room <laughs> yeah like you don't put the superfluous dialogue in there and like his um theory was you should have a film that you know 90 percent is watchable without not that you shouldn't have dialogue yeah. in it but you should be able to mute that film and not have the dialogue in 90 percent or even no captions. No like, captions. Yeah, like 90% of that film, you should be able to just visually watch yeah. what's happening on the screen with no words. Because my or... argument last night was, like, that, I think that's why I love, um, like, French and Korean horror films. Like, when uh, the few chances that I've had to watch one, um, you're reading the captions, which, if you watch caption movies, it's what makes Passion of the Christ, for example, very, very, very compelling film. Um, because you don't need the words at the bottom of the mm-hmm. screen to understand the story at all. And they're speaking a different language the entire goddamn time. Yeah. And that was like his point. Like it should. And it made me throw up in a bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even believe in God. <laughs> I'm an atheist. <laughs> Walking into Passion of the Christ going, God damn it, you're going to hit him one more time? Holy <laughs> shit, dude. Stop beating him up. <laughs> but that was like his point. Yeah, you should be able to watch a foreign film or a film that's in a foreign language or, you know, a film that has no dialogue and for the most part be able to understand yeah. it without that language uh, barrier there. And like I was thinking about that while I was reading the book and reflecting on that. And I was like, okay, that makes sense in cinema because, yeah, 90% of what I'm doing is shooting stuff that's visually compelling and how do you go about doing that when writing a novel instead of a script? Because in a script, you would still be writing, like, essentially the same stuff that I'm filming. You'd be writing about the scene or whatever the characters are doing. But when you're writing a novel, what is show, don't tell? What is show, don't tell? If you... Kristen's big question. (laughs) There is a specific quote by a person whose name I cannot remember right now. Um, and my phone is on the other side of the kitchen. So. <laughs> um, but it's the difference, basically, uh, if I'm going to sum up the concept of show, don't tell, between mm-hmm. saying uh, the moon lit up the room. So the moon lit up the room through the window versus the moon bled through a splinter in the glass. Yeah. So you get the same feeling, you get the added detail, 
you get the emotion that is a person who is living in a place with splintered glass at nighttime in a much different way. It's the view of it bleeding. What is all that noise? It's Max. Max. He's playing at the window. <laughs> Max, quit. He's <laughs> not phased. He's like, that's cool. I'll play with that too. I just pitched a beer bottle cap ever. Okay. I could get him. And we're back. <laughs> Winston away from trying to kill a bird through a screen window. Max. Max. <laughs> um, like in the book, he's talking about essentially cutting dialogue that you don't have to have. So, like, is that the same in writing a novel? Like, is show don't tell cutting the dialogue? Is it cutting... Uh, no. Passive description? No. Like... It's, it's, it, for example, right? He's going to go right back to the window. Um, it's not having the moment like what we talked about on the last Two Star Tuesdays um, where the text drives the plot because mm-hmm. the t- that just becomes dead air. If you're using that just to move person A from or, or the person from location A to location B, yeah, you know, it's superfluous. It doesn't fucking need to be there. If you have a discussion like the one that I had in the edits that I was working on today for an undisclosed person who wrote an undisclosed thing that is getting published against my wishes, fucking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, if you have a scene where you have a character talking to her mother and it does very little but explain the plot so far, mm-hmm. then you're treating your audience like an idiot. Mm-hmm. So you need to be able to, instead of, uh, he walked questioningly, you know, you can say, like, he was suspicious diving in between the light and the dark bolting through it so nobody saw his face. I, I get how you can ask something questioningly, but how do you no, walk? No, you can't ask something questioningly. You can ask a question. Well, and I'm that's just where saying. dialogue <laughs> is show, don't tell. Or, or, or it, the opposite. It's mm-hmm. telling, you know. Or, I'm just saying, you know if I'm you're going to do something questioningly, I feel like it's yeah. saying something no, not. You can, you, can, you can have a conversation, and because of the words you're using in the conversation, you can tell the audience, you know. Like, we can have a conversation that lets them know, like, Brett's nervous because he's talking in short clip terms, you know, but you can't go, I went to the store. I was nervous at the store. There were a lot of people at the store, end quote, Brett said in short clip tones. It's like, (laughs) which one of these uh, do you think the audience can't comprehend that you wrote in short clip tones? And there is almost... Or that Brett was nervous because he was talking in short clip tones. Fucking Cormac McCarthy is one of my favorite writers. The dude doesn't know what a comma is. Okay? <laughs> or he doesn't quotations. know what a quotation mark is. There's like three fucking punctuation marks in a Cormac McCarthy novel. You don't need them. Cormac McCarthy is the director's writer. <laughs> I, think I think that's why the Cohen brothers used him for No Country. But And I feel like there's almost this like... You can say, like, the, the sun was blood red on the day of the battle as a man on the field held his dying friend. Like, you can say that, or you can say war was hell. And there's a difference. 
It's like it was hilarious how he got out of the car, as opposed to when he went to get out of the car, he dinged his head on the roof of the car and knocked himself out and fell <laughs> over and fractured his skull on the floor. And I think fucked up sense of humor. And that's what I find funny. If you tell me it's funny, my brain's going worst case scenario. It was hilarious when he got out of the car with his dick out of his pants and started <laughs> waving at an 80-year-old in the parking lot. I find that funny. So if you just say he got out of the car hilariously, fucking adverb, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with what I think is hilarious. You've pulled me out of you telling your own story at that point. That's show, don't tell. Well, I feel like and there's also this short form and form. misconception of when you explain... Like, you think when you... Not you, I'm using you, like, openly. Like, anyone you. Um, When you explain something to your audience, you're... Like, you think you're putting them... Well, you think you're putting them in that situation so that they then kind of understand. But what you're doing is treating your audience like they're too stupid to have gotten the concept. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, and it's insulting Mm -hmm. to an extent. It's off-putting. For sure. Mm-hmm. My favorite films are the ones that, like, there's a confusing moment and the film doesn't try to directly, like, hey, this is why we did that. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like, let me figure it out. Let me figure out why, you know. And I, I've definitely watched some films that Silence were a little too never, vague. Yeah. Silence of the Lambs never tells you why Hannibal Lecter eats people. <laughs> but, but they do eventually. But they didn't do it in silence. They did it when they needed an idea for a fifth version, so they made. Well, the, the film it. wasn't really about Lecter; it was about Clarice. Exactly, but you remember Lecter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really about Clarice hunting Buffalo Bill. The scream of the lambs. Yeah, you still hear those lambs screaming. Like it, it, it's a story of a little girl who grows up to be an FBI detective. And her trauma of growing up in a slaughterhouse. Mm-hmm. And the silence of the lambs falls to the wayside. Most people forget why Clarice Starling is doing her job. It's like, do you still hear them screaming? Like that scene where Hopkins hops in her brain mm-hmm. can be written in a bad way by saying he looked at her questioningly. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I'm sorry, I keep interrupting. The oh, couple, no, you're fine. I mean... That was honestly like the biggest thought I was having while well, you read me it. a quote last night. I read you a couple of quotes. Yeah, but this is this book is for filmmakers, so it's geared a little more t- towards filmmakers. But because, like you and I work together, um, yeah, that was like kind of what I was thinking about while I was reading it. I was like, well, what does that mean from Brett's perspective? Because I know what that means for me as a filmmaker, but it's not the same. What does it mean from your perspective? How do you show, don't tell in a film? Well, um, which this this book goes into all of that, but he was like talking about how... But like in your perspective, like if I present you with the story from earlier, Greg and the alcoholism walking across the street, get hit by a Corvette, I could say he stumbled across the street and got hit by a Corvette, or I could spend fucking 2,000 words telling you about Greg's inner dialogue and past to make that moment where he gets hit a perfect climax. How do you do that in a film? 
Well, you're kind of putting me on the spot because I don't have a script in front no, of I'm me. I'm just telling you not to read an answer out of the book. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying, like, in that situation, Chars. that's not a, like, literal script I have in front of me. Like, you would build tension. Like, you would have, like, his wife leaving him. You would, like, show, like, the bottles kind of, like... See, yeah. there's a thing that I didn't Like, strewn all over the place. Like, Greg kind of, like... Because his wife has left him for a reason. You know, Greg has picked back up this habit. So you kind of show, like, Greg's deterioration. Greg stumbling across the street in his bathrobe. Because his yeah, there you go. shit's yeah, falling apart. And, you know, kind of show this guy, like, spiraling downward. Like, you don't need any dialogue for that scene. Cause but you just need a costume for him to wear. And an angle that you would shoot that scene at that no, that makes perfect sense you can show it on the screen mm-hmm. but if instead I instead of Greg being like oh damn I've fallen back into the bottle yeah <laughs> oh no <laughs> but you have like that moment at the end of Platoon like he hits his knees and his hands go up in the air and it's like no I've lost it oh <laughs> yeah you, you visually I mean, that's literally what it means. Well, like the whole job, like in my head, is show, don't tell. But we've watched some of these movies, and they they start that texting thing, and it's like, I need you to come to the park. And it's like, oh, go fuck yourself. (laughs) I need to know that you need to go to the park, or you can tell me in an interesting way, or, I don't know, you just go to the fucking park. Oh, gather that you needed to go there by the action of you going to the park. Like, I, I don't need to know that you plan on going to the park. I don't need to know how many eggs are in your omelet, for example. Like, I don't give a shit. I made an omelet. is a good time to tell without showing. I don't need a fucking cookbook in the middle of my goddamn store. Sorry, I'm sour, I'm a little drunk, and I've been editing all day. I was like, yeah, you've been editing frustrating work today. So. Uh, no, I'm... What was the, you got the quote? Oh, I don't know. I don't... Mm, no, that's not the right quote. So you've put me on the spot. I wasn't going to read from this. No, that's why I was like, you should get your book out. Well, I had the book out so I could tell you what the book was. Hmm? Tell you what the book was. Tell you who <laughs> bought the book what the book was. Yeah, no, hey, the audience. Hey, Brett, in case you didn't <laughs> hey, know. Hey, Brett, you, Justin. You, brought, you bought me a book. Just in case you forgot, one time you went to London and you bought me a book. This is not the quote that I read you last night, but I actually like this quote. Um, the rule here is that anything that can be cut should be, because when everything non-essential is eliminated, what remains is greatly strengthened. Um, said by King and on writing, kill your darlings, kill your darlings, kill your fucking darlings. Including your superfluous dialogue. Exactly. Including your superfluous dialogue. Yeah, which I think that's hard sometimes to make that decision, but he was talking about, which you literally do, so synchronicity. Um, When you're in the beginning stages of writing, um doing note cards because the note cards are small enough that you can't really put much on them yeah. and only putting the major plot points on these note cards. Might get three big points on a you know, a five by eight or whatever. Yeah. And then he was saying like kind of playing them out, you know, he probably meant on a table, not your living room wall. But um, <laughs> you know, kind of playing them out in order that they go and see what happens if you yank one of these note cards out and does your story still make sense with that note card and if it does cut the note card 
Exactly. And then, you know, you can kind of see if you've left a hole somewhere, like if a character has fallen by the wayside and you need to be like, oh, shit, that character needs to make an appearance later, mm-hmm. so... I've lost hundreds of characters. <laughs> I have to come back and be like, you didn't matter. The second son of my MC. And my, <laughs> yeah. That working on the character right should probably make a reappearance. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't need to be there. Or because the rest of the story happened just fine without him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he can go away. <laughs> yeah, that is interesting to think about um, what that means from a filmmaker's perspective versus a writer's perspective. There's our motorcycle. Every goddamn episode he's, <laughs> he's rolled on through. Let me see what we're sitting at. Oh. I'm hoping an hour because I'm hungry. I'm hoping an hour because I gotta pee. <laughs> oh. Listen to my book pages, oh. dear listener. This is all getting cut up. Oh, for sure. Uh, an hour 13. So. Woo! Dinner time! Dinner time! No, we're having we're having Korean beef balls. Suck on those. And I, it's a Hello Fresh, but it's not Hello we're Fresh. We're making it ourselves. It's, it is yeah, their recipe. It's our menu. Uh, that's not a read. If you guys want to pay us, please. Um, you, t- I'll take $25 a week. <laughs> I'm really going to look at their affiliate program. Like, if people. So, come up with. If you guys have, like, a sponsor that you'd like us to try, you can hit us up at. Email. Nightmareboxproductions at gmail.com. Mm, yeah. If you also have a question or a topic you want to hear or any of those things, fucking email me. It yeah. goes to my phone. <laughs> I will read your email. I will respond to your Facebook messages at uh, Facebook.com slash nightmareboxproductions. Or you can like I don't know, DM us at Twitter at Nightmarebox Pro. Or if you're sitting up late at night and you're just like flipping through asses on Instagram and you're like, you know what? I really need to hear what the people over at Mistakes Were Made think about XYZ. Then they could send us a message. At Nightmarebox Productions. And if they're lost somewhere in 2005 and they're looking for a MySpace page, good luck. <laughs> but we do have a webpage yeah. that you can read Brett's stories. You go to. You can go buy a book. If you, you want to support buy us, buy a book. If you own the book, buy it for a close friend. <laughs> if you do it on PayPal, it's cheaper than Amazon. And I'll sign that motherfucker and mail it to your goddamn house. So <laughs> there's no drawbacks. $10. Leave your address in the PayPal. And I'll send that shit out to you. I'll sign it. I'll put a picture of myself. I'll draw a picture of myself. Hit myself in the face with a dick. (laughs) Send it in the request line. Whatever the fuck you want in a copy of the Madman Diaries. I've got a bunch of copies I need to let go of before we move. Fucking ten bucks. (laughs) Ten bucks and you can keep the lights on here at the studio slash apartment. Maybe we can actually go to a diner and do show notes because we would have the money to fix the fucking dryer (laughs) and we wouldn't have to go to the goddamn laundry. (laughs) And that would be at the Nightmare Box dot blog <laughs> you can do all of that <laughs> if you want to help out a couple of starving artists and just you know i am starving email so. us so that we know how to help you and then you'll be more interested in helping us and everything you'll be happy and if you you know you got a story or a picture that you want to you know show or you do crazy sculptures like shelby does like fucking I'm very interested. Shoot us a message. Let us know what is going on. Like, I, I, 
I'm screaming at 500 people and none of you are sending us an email. And it's <laughs> fucking infuriating. So for the love of God, please. Be my friend. Be my fucking friend for once in your goddamn life. <laughs> and ask me a question. Dear Brett, what do you guys talk about when you go to Walmart? What is the recipe I will for a pan-seared penis? I'll give you, yeah, what is the recipe for a pan-seared penis? I will go through all of my Jeffrey Dahmer books and I'll tell you how you season people. I, I, I don't give a fuck. Like, involve us. Like, we want to be a thing! <laughs> we want to be a part of your lives. We technically are, because you're fucking listening to us. So involve yourself, because you could be driving in your car and hear your name and be like, that was my name, and then you'd feel good. Like, that's like all I'm telling you to do. <laughs> Not asking a whole lot. We're doing all the fucking work. I spent five hours on the fucking deck today. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> Editing <watching. laughs> for 25 bucks. I am asking you to just send me a goddamn email meltdown. <laughs> you are not wound up at all. Oh, my God. All right, I'm getting off here because i got to take a piss and uh, have dinner. Yeah, got to eat some. I love you. I love you. And I love you guys, despite the fact you won't write fucking write me. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't we be friends? I feel like a father who's like mad that his teenage son doesn't call him after he moved out of the house. I'm like, guys, you like me. I like you. Like, send me an email. Okay. Do the family bonding. <sighs> Where that came out of. Don't drink King Cobras on a Sunday. On an All empty right. stomach. On an empty stomach. All right, I love you, and I love you, and uh, I love you. Do you have any other last minute pointers? I'm look good to go. <laughs> good luck um, if you're going through sobriety. Good luck if you're uh, starting off a project. Good luck, and if you use adverbs, you can die and go straight to hell. And I hope your family suffers greatly. We'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>